Admiral Harriman and Ambassador John G. Wynant. I do not pretend to have measured accurately the martial might of Japan, the PM wrote in his memoirs, but at this very moment I knew the United States was in the war, up to the neck and in to the death. So we had won after all. Curiously, Adolf Hitler was equally delighted about his prospects once Pearl Harbor had given him Japan as a partner. We can't lose the war at all, he thought. We now have an ally which has never been conquered in three thousand years. After the news of Pearl Harbor, Churchill claimed to have slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. Actually, he stayed up until three, talking with Wynant about what to do next, and he determined to go to Washington. Seven months earlier, on May 3rd, feeling increasingly isolated, and with German submarines strangling British lifelines worldwide, he had desperately cabled Roosevelt pleading for immediate American entry into the war, a plea he had made even earlier, in June 1940, as France surrendered to Hitler. In neither case could the President intervene overtly. Americans were unready, and Congress would have resisted. Roosevelt had to inch his way toward rescue, as he did symbolically when Britain's new envoy arrived in January 1941. Greeting Churchill personally remained an unusual honor for a head of government, especially when proffered by a long-incapacitated president who had done so only once before, and then, too, to emphasize his solidarity with Britain. Ambassador Halifax, once of the influential appeasement fraternity in England, had crossed the Atlantic on the battleship George V and was greeted in Chesapeake Bay, six miles from Annapolis, by the presidential yacht Potomac with Roosevelt aboard. Viscount Halifax then traveled into Washington with FDR. It was a precedent-shattering gesture, and Halifax was ever afterward Edward to Roosevelt. What the public did not know was that the pair, however effective their relationship would be, was a brotherhood of the disabled. Roosevelt had lost the use of his legs to polio in 1921, and the tall, lean Edward Wood, then heir to his father's title, had been born with a withered left arm without a hand. Now that we are, as you say, in the same boat, wouldn't it be wise for us, Churchill had cabled on December 9th, to have another conference? They had met at sea, on Placentia Bay off Newfoundland in early August, initiating what would become after Pearl Harbor a formal military alliance. We could review, Churchill now suggested, the whole war plan in the light of reality and new facts, as well as production and distribution. I feel that all these matters can best be settled on the highest executive level. He could leave in a day or two by warship and bring with him necessary staffs. In a draft of his war memoirs, the PM wrote, then expunged, I thought of staying in the British Embassy, as I did not know how stiff our discussions might be. Startled, Roosevelt would have opted for more time to see how war mobilization was going and the situation in the Pacific was more clarified. He planned to respond that way in a draft he never sent. In a second response on December 10th, also unsent, he wrote that a meeting would be more useful a few weeks hence than immediately. However, I will wholeheartedly and gladly accept your opinion on timing. The President's advisers realized that the British would come with carefully drafted proposals and a substantial wish list of war materiel before the White House could scramble to create its own strategies and review its production goals. Also, there was concern over the hazards to the top levels of British government. 
The North Atlantic was a shooting gallery for German subs, and the Luftwaffe flew reconnaissance from French and Norwegian bases. The third presidential reply, actually sent later that day, began, Delighted to have you here at the White House. My one reservation is great personal risk to you. Believe this should be given most careful consideration, for the Empire needs you at the helm, and we need you there too. Having postponed sailing while keeping a convoy at the ready, Churchill notified those who were to travel with him and packed his bags. His formal invitation to stay at the White House came via Lord Halifax while Churchill was at sea. Although he had invited himself, a strong hint to do so had come from the President in a telegram announcing Congress's formal declaration of war on Japan on December 8th. Today, Roosevelt had written in the naval metaphors both leaders shared, all of us are in the same boat with you and the people of the Empire, and it is a ship which will not and cannot.